in our Theravadan Buddhist tradition, there are a couple of ways that we cultivate insight such that we would arrive at a situation where there is the fruit of freedom that just falls. That fruit of freedom being the release of the grasping mind, the release of greed, the release of aversion, and the release of delusion. So that the mind is free of all of the hindrances that come to it, all of the cankers or taints that cloud the mind that lead us to having much internal misery and causing misery to others. Having a freedom that is a freedom based on being free from conditions. So when conditions are propitious, that's terrific. But when freedom, when, when conditions are not, are not so good, when they're challenging, that that too is okay. That the mind isn't organized around conditions, but is residing within itself in a way that is uh, uh, escaped from, no longer determined by the conditions of the moment. And uh, the, there's uh, the understanding of the Four Noble Truths is considered uh, a, a key understanding in that regard. There's these 12 insights that I describe in Dancing with Life where the Four Noble Truths become a practice in itself. One of the parts of the Four Noble Truths is the Eightfold Path. And uh, the second part of the Eightfold Path is wise or right intention. And it, it's this combination of mindfulness and intention is another way that we cultivate the path to freedom. And I described that at length in Emotional Chaos to Clarity. The seven factors of enlightenment are, are seven factors of attainment, which is my preferred language for that, is yet another way that we can approach creating the conditions where the insights will arise that bring us to freedom. And yet another way that's traditionally taught, each of these are traditionally taught, is the cultivation of the paramis, those, those things that are sometimes referred to as perfections, but uh, that I prefer to think of as attainments. And among these are, well, I'm just going to name the entire list of ten, they start with generosity, this word dana that you hear here at Spirit Rock and other meditation centers. Generosity, not just generosity of, of alms, of giving money and uh, support that way, but generosity of giving people the benefit of the doubt, giving your time to the service of others. Benefit of this, of that you're being a, a, a listener, that you're willing to listen that you treat people with kindness. So many different forms that generosity take in a life. And it's one of the underutilized ways of practicing this development of generosity. I'm having a little bit of sore throat here from, I've taught so many days in a row that, and so I'm, excuse me as I give myself The second of the paramis, of these attainments, of these perfections, the perfection's not in a, I don't like that word perfections because it's not involving grasping. The second of these is morality, sila in our Pali language. And that is, that is behavior that is chosen intentionally so as to not cloud the mind heart. Not as a kind of Ten Commandment approach, but the sila that keeps the mind heart from having to be closed or the mind from rationalizing or being defensive. Choosing to live in such a way, having such an, uh, uh, an approach, an attitude that it's very clear that we want to have a, a, a mind that's free and a heart that's open. And therefore, we don't want to have in our words or our actions anything that causes a, a cloud of that. And we slowly move in that direction. The third of the renunciation, the third of the of the attainments, the paramis, is renunciation. Renunciation 
is also one of the key intentions that the Buddha taught because if we don't have this muscle of renunciation, we are unable to deny our impulses towards greed or our impulses towards aversion. We need that buildup of, 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 of being able to say no. And again, that's uh, one of the paramis that's underutilized for practice and not always so well understood. The fourth of, of, of these uh, paramis is wisdom itself. I don't think that needs a lot more explanation. The fifth is energy, this virya. And energy is both to be cultivated and to be understood. And I'm not going to be going into the energy parts tonight, but there's a whole universe to be discovered in terms of energy. It's very um, interesting and we start to immediately see its application in our daily lives as well. And the sixth is patience or forbearance. And indeed, that is something we're going to be looking at in, link, in depth tonight. The seventh is truthfulness. Truthfulness both as to how we present ourselves to the world, but also truthfulness as to how we are with ourselves, where we're real with ourselves. We're real, and we get the benefit of feeling real to ourselves, feeling genuine. This ties into intentionality, once again, as I talk about in Emotional Chaos to Clarity. Uh, to have an intentional life, we have to be real with ourselves, but the more clarity we have as, as to our intentions, moment to moment, whatever our goals, but our intention of not causing suffering of kindness moment to moment, that brings with it a kind of coherence to our lives, a kind of genuineness that, that uh, creates the environment for all of these other paramis to arise. And then the eighth of the paramis is resolution or determination of which the fruit is said to be persistence. You will hear me often tonight make reference to patience and persistence because I tend to think of it more as persistence than resolve or determination. I don't um, find the word resolve so helpful because we often say, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose this weight or I'm going to get this thing done or whatever, and then nothing happens. Persistence implies the very act of doing it. So I'm more, I'm, I tend to point us more towards this, this word persistence. The ninth of the paramis is loving kindness, the metta that you hear a lot about in our tradition. And then the last of these is equanimity. This balanced mind, this balanced repose, this being equanimous in mind and heart that allows us to meet the difficulties of life without being completely thrown off by them, without getting lost in this samsara, this circle of suffering. So, no, to, uh, to think about the paramis, you can think of them as qualities. They're qualities of the mind. They're qualities of the heart. They're also uh, specifics of character. Each of these, uh, a person that's really truthful, you talk about their great character. A person that's, re that's really generous, you talk about their great character. So when, when we think of character in our regular language use, it, um, it is, it, it is, this is like the overlap with the Buddhist tradition. And then you can also think of these paramis as empowerments that come from practice. We are empowered in each of these ways as through our mindfulness practice, we see the truth of how things are. Through our metta practice, through our loving-kindness practice, through our concentration practice of collecting and unifying the mind, through each and all of these practices combined, we, we uh, just naturally come to, to these. We see why they're desirable and why, why the lack of them is very undesirable, and they start to blossom on their own. For an example of that, through our mindfulness, we see that generosity enables sharing. 
it frees us from the fear of scarcity. And this brings the fruit of contentment. And that's a very practical fruit. This isn't some theoretical concept, you know, in some 50 years you get. But each moment that you can, that you can uh, let loose of that fear of scarcity, the mind has contentment. And it's easy to observe for ourselves. We don't have to believe anyone, but we can see for ourselves and something that cannot be said enough. The Buddha's teachings is based, uh, all the teachings are based on this uh, is seeing for yourself, this finding your own empowerment. Uh, there's this phrase that he would use, e posico, come see for yourself. His very last teaching, right before he died, well, he said, hold fast to the Dharma, hold fast to the truth as your teacher. But you must be eager to learn, you must be eager to know. So this is, this is a, a kind of key operating principle, this empowerment, this knowing for yourself and knowing that you know. That, you know I also describe in Four Noble Truths that the, in the Dancing with Life book that's a very uh, a central to our practice. And so tonight we focus on patience and determination. Patience and determination. And with these two, patience and determination, along with mindfulness and intention, we become quite a force to ourselves and to others. Because with patience, we're always willing to start over. And with, de with determination, with persistence, we do. We start over. We start over. So when you're willing to get knocked off and just start again, not that easy to resist, provided you have mindfulness so that you're present, so that you can actually do all of that, and have an intention so that moment to moment you know how to do it. They become quite powerful together. A cartoon, Humpty Dumpty is sitting in his psychotherapist office. He's actually lying back on the couch. And the, the therapist is very patiently saying to him, eventually, I'd like to see you able to put yourself back together. <laughs> and that is the premise here of this empowerment that that as you uh, experience and gain and see the value of these paramis and that you learn to do this for yourself so that you can put yourself back together. Patience or fair forbearance is not just waiting for something to happen. That is one form of patience, is that we can wait. We can wait for the plane to finally arrive so we can board it and wait some more for the plane to take off. But it is actually forbearance, more specifically, more intended as forbearance under stress, and, uh, to have patience with defeat, have patience with disappointment, to have patience with confusion, patience with not knowing what to do next, patience with being lost. It is a capacity of energetic endurance. A capacity of energetic endurance. And I don't think we think that way so much in daily life. So that's why I'm stressing this. A capacity of energetic endurance. Wow, you know. In its mature form, we are willing to be with failure. We're willing to start over, as I said in the introduction. We're willing to be with what's unpleasant, what's unju unjust. We're willing to be with something without being restless. Or even if it's necessary, we're willing to be with it, even if it makes us totally restless. If it's just driving us up the wall, we're still willing to be with it. We can even be patient with impatience. That's its power, this energetic endurance. 
At one point in one of the suttas, the Buddha refers to it as patience is the highest virtue. Patience is the highest virtue. Again, not something we think of quite that way ordinarily. <coughs> this capacity of patience is not a long being a long-suffering victim to life at all. This kind of patience is imbued with generosity, with sila, with the ethical behavior. It involves relinquishing, letting go of things, letting go, letting go, letting go over and over again. Things we want, things that we think aren't right. Letting go of all of that attitude, all of that comparing and judging and fixing doesn't mean we're giving up discernment. Doesn't mean we're giving up our goals. But the reactive states of mind is what we let loose of so that we can endure. It's also imbued with the sense of what is our true priority. It is, it, there's a sense of ease in our lives, a kind of neutrality coming out of this patience. Even though we have a preference, there's a neutrality that is managing that preference. And it also brings the freedom from our expectations and our demand that in this very moment things be other than they are. It's fine to say that something's unjust or that there's something we want, but this demand that it be otherwise right now does not serve bringing about change. It in fact makes us less likely to succeed in change and it also, that not willing to be with what is, invites uh, behavior that is the very opposite of what we would have. Thus we kill for peace. We imprison others in our own desire to have what we want. We take away the freedom of others. Now, without patience, there's a lot of unskillful action. Patience allows us to build the tolerance for cognitive dissonance. And the human mind doesn't do very well with cognitive dissonance without being trained. We want it all to be one way. We want it to be simple. It's like in those uh, psychological tests, if you put uh, two lines running together, the eye will join them, even though there's a gap in there. We, just, we, don't, uh, we don't like cognitive dissonance. And uh, being able to bear that, to endure it with energy, is what empowers us to accomplish in the end. Thomas Merton says at one point in his teachings, do not depend on results for well-being. Do not depend on results for happiness. We are patient because we are living towards our goals moment to moment with wise intention. That is, we're living moment to moment. Every step towards our goal is imbued with our values. That's why we can be patient. Maybe we'll get our goals and maybe we won't. But we're living towards them, towards our aspirations, with each step of the way not causing harm to another or to ourselves as best we're able. So empowering. So to support, to uh, be a great partner with this patience is determination or persistence. It's equally important. They're joined at the hip. Resolve or determination, what I'm calling persistence, is the, is the, um, the habit of persevering, of, of, of seeing the end of suffering, seeing that we can have choice, and saying, I care about not causing suffering in my life. In all, whether it's in my relationship, whether it's in my, my work situation, whether it's in the way I am with myself when I'm alone, when I'm with my family of origin, that I wish to be interacting with the conditions caused by other people and the larger environment in such a way that I do not add to the misery of myself or another. And it is validated by our a direct experience that when we persevere that things eventually do change. It's manifested as a kind of tenacity. We can stick to something. I was joking with Sean at the, the, the beginning of the evening about the importance of delayed gratification. 
this is a very wonderful thing. So whatever degree you have delayed gratification, and you've all got some ability to, uh, to have to uh, cultivate delayed gratification, or you just couldn't survive in life because we all have to wait for our gratification so often, whether it's the, the water boiling or finally getting a job we want or finding a person we want to be with or on and on, just in, in the practical sides of life, the mundane sides of life, and certainly in our spiritual practice. And this delayed gratification is made up of this tenacity, this determination, and this patience. And uh, some, it's, uh, I've been very fascinated for decades as to the range that people naturally have this. And why would one member of a family have a great capacity for delayed gratification? And in that same family unit, this other person have almost no capacity for delayed gratification. The good news that I have witnessed, and I can really attest to this now, having decades of experience uh, with uh, encouraging this in people, is that we can all increase our capacity for delayed gratification. Therefore, we become more tenacious. We become more at ease as we're being tenacious. Again, which is a, a very empowering and bringing about change in our lives. Determination has a feeling of it of commitment. You know what it's like when you meet someone who's really committed. They're determined. They, you feel that power and it starts to affect you. There's a feeling of being unswerving, that we stay, we stay on the path, we stay on the course. Its, it's uh, power comes in part from the, the faith we have that it's possible that change can come about that something we're going towards is possible. And I call this a moment when we have a realization. This may, this may have, this is my goal forever, but I never really believed it, uh, that I could do it. Oh, now I believe this is really possible for me. Doesn't mean that I will for sure be able to achieve it, but it might actually be possible. I, I describe at length in Emotional Chaos to Clarity this, this moment, it's called uh, in, in my language, the, the, imaginary, the imaginative possible. When we now really imagine it, our whole being can line up with it because, oh, this might be possible. So easily missed that moment. But if it's recognized, this gives us this faith for persistence. Again, all of these paramis are imbued with each other. So persistence, this determination, this resolve is imbued with wisdom, with renunciation, with a, a, a kind of um, 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 uh, generosity that allows us to keep going. And what we see is, and if this again is very practical, you can watch this tomorrow in your, your work life or in your home life. Patience and determination or resolve support one another. They're like interlocking in a way that gives us a foundation, gives us a momentum, gives us power. And patience supports determination in a, is, 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 um, in a very clear way. Patience softens and calms determination. You know how someone can be so pushy? They're, in one sense, they are very determined, and lots of times they may get their way just because they're so pushy. That does wear thin soon. But in our society, a lot of people win with that kind, of, that kind of raw persistence, at least in the short term. So patience softens that. It, it, it allows, uh, you, if you've got a lot of determination, it allows you to be with someone that's not buying into your agenda and for you to give time for them to come around to your point of view without you having to bully them without your having to overwhelm them. And if you're the subject of someone doing that to you, that kind of fierce determination, you really appreciate it when they're not that way and they show a little more patience, when they are not so uh, always on you, in your face. Patience also relieves 
the, the wear and tear on the nervous system of our determination. Our determination can be very staccato, it can be very fast, it can be very harsh and pounding energetically. And patience uh, rounds that out, it broadens it, and it protects the nervous system. So these, remember, these are qualities of mind as well as qualities of character. So a mind that's imbued with patience can have the same amount of determination, but it's not pounding in that same way. Pounding internally. I'm not talking about the pounding on others that we might be doing. It allows us to uh, not get upset with ourselves when the persistence, when the determination isn't yielding results. I'm not getting anywhere. So what? This is my value. I'll continue. Yes, I will be as wise as possible in determining more skillful means to getting where I'm attempting to go, but I'll be patient. Maybe I can't get there from here, so I just have to wait till conditions change, and conditions are such that now, from where conditions are now, I can get there. Patience will relieve the restlessness it will free from the tyranny of expectations. Patience has a humility to it. It's a non-judging quality. This real mature patience. It's not being uh, this kind of enduring this patience. It's like, who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe it's okay that this delay is happening because maybe it's, I don't know, maybe this delay is, is uh, creating a better condition for the future than if it's happening the way I want it to happen. You don't give up, the, I want to stress, you're not giving up the determination, but you're surrounding it with something that is more humble, that, would, that is more at ease of being able to dance with life. Patience has an external and an internal aspect to it. So for some of us, we can be very patient with others or very patient with things in the world, but we're not very patient with ourselves. Whereas others are very patient with themselves, but are not so patient with us. And we can have one or the other in varying degrees, and that can change around a particular issue or various things. But we do want, in time, to learn to be patient with ourselves and with others as a way of being, as a value. That is the suggestion of the Buddha and making it the highest virtue. It is fine and even desirable that we learn to be patiently impatient. You know, we want something to happen. Okay, let's get this meeting going, you know. Come on, let's make a decision here. We, we have, we're, we're feeling the impatience. Okay, so I'm feeling impatience. I can be patient with that. But it's not so, uh, it's not so uh, useful to be uh, in, 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 impatiently patient when we appear to be being patient, but we're really impatient. So we're pretending to be patient, but really it's all... It's all a, a, a facade because that's very tough on the nervous system. It's fine that we're, if we're impatient, we know we're impatient, and we can be patient with our impatience. But if we try to pretend we're the other to ourselves or, and to, or to the world in a way that it's just not true at all, very tough on the nervous system in my experience. This is me speaking that line, not the Buddha. <laughs> Just as this, this quality of character, quality of mind, of patience supporting uh, uh, determination, determination or resolve or this persistence supports patience. So they, they work together. Patience without persistence never gets there. So if you're a very patient person but you lack persistence, You've had experiences in your life of just not getting there. You don't get it done. You don't make it happen. There, in that instance, there was not enough persistence to match the level of patience. It, without determination, patience can deteriorate into being long-suffering. So there's this feeling of, 
of this. I'm a victim. Oh, you know, you know, woe is me. And we all know such people. And maybe at one time or another in our lives, we've been that. Without persistence, there is a danger of compromising or rationalizing with ourselves, of settling for less in a way we did not have to do. In my other role that I perform right now in life, I have uh, an institute called the Life Balance Institute, and I work with leaders and people in changes and transitions, either one-on-one or in uh, these occasional workshops that I give. I don't have much time for that now that I'm spend so much time with the Dhamma. But in, in, that, in those situations, particularly in working with leaders and leaders in changes and transition moments, to see this interplay of patience and persistence because a, a leader in a change and transition is often really having to develop this quality of patience because they've been very strong on persistence. But now, now they have to be patient in a new way. So determination without, uh, without patience, just as uh, all these things that are wrong when you don't have enough determination, so it is if you have determination but you lack patience, you often find that the determination works against itself. Your very pushing makes you less likely to achieve it. You alienate others, uh, you act imp- impulsively, you're always in this reactive mind state. And, and so this determination without patience can drain energy. It can result in very bad timing in our lives. We, do, we don't get the rhythm of it. We don't know when to decide. We don't, we don't know when to ask. We just, we're, we're just too focused. It's too narrow. The patience allows us to feel it, to let our intuition be more available. We can spend a lot of time being frustrated just because we're feeding on this samsara, this uh, circle of suffering of the, de- of the determination. Um, that we can also uh, be violent in the way we speak or the way we speak to ourselves. We can be violent in the way we jerk our attention around. This, this, uh, we can overschedule, which again Thomas Merton said was the violence of our time, this overscheduling. So to see how this characteristic that others may admire in us of our determination, but if it's out of balance, if the mindfulness isn't seeing the need for patience, and if we can't mindfully bring about through our mindfulness practice a degree of balancing of patience, these things happen. The determination by itself will lead to a distortion of perception. Again, if you look back in your life, you may well find uh, more than one example of that in your life. With uh, uh, determination, without patience, we lose our balance. We're thrown off one side or the other. We're oftentimes leaning into or leaning away energetically in such a way that it's given up so much of our power. Very easy to see this in various interactions. I've watched this over and over again in various meetings. Uh, I've been in leadership positions most of my adult life and seen it over and over again, this, this leaning too far in, pulling too far back. And we can also, if we're so determined, we can skip the most important part of what's going on because we're just focused on the end and we're missing important things. And oftentimes that's missing our own development. There's not a roundedness to our experience. And we certainly can annoy others with our determination. And as I said earlier, we alienate them in that way. So we, uh, we, we, need, we need each of these. And people will ask me, well, okay, well, which comes first? Which should you develop first, the patience? Or should you develop the persistence first, the determination? And I, this is a cartoon. This is the chicken and the egg having a discussion, kind of long, drawn-out debate. And finally, the egg says to the chicken, well, let's stop arguing. We're both here now. So it doesn't really matter which comes first. We're both here now. And it's that way with patience and persistence. If you're strong in, in determination, then get very interested in how are you with patience? 
if you're really strong in patience, get interested in how you are with your determination. If you go, well, I'm, I'm strong in both. Hooray for you. Is that true in all aspects of your life? Would others say that about you? Check it out. Ask a friend, someone that you trust. So if you're going to say which I'm stronger in, patience or persistence, which would it be? You might be surprised. If you think, I don't have very much patience or very much determination, then start small. Bring up a little of each. Again, ask a friend. Or in one situation, ask someone that's in one aspect of your life about this. Ask someone else in another aspect of your life. In your morning uh, sit, or the, how you begin your morning, I have a whole chapter in Emotional Chaos about uh, the, the way to begin your morning. Uh, really bring into mind which of these characteristics you're wishing to cultivate this day. Throughout your day, come back in, am I being patient in this moment? Who do I admire in my life? that has patience, who do I admire that has persistence. Watch in a situation where there's a group of people interacting. Who's manifesting patience? Who's manifesting persistence? I was, um, uh, uh, Ajahn Amro, uh, 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 one of our wonderful uh, monastics in this tradition, who now heads a monastery in England, but was many, uh, for a long period of time, co-head of a, a, a Bayagiri here in California, the monastery up in the mountains here, he was on our uh, uh, teacher's council and served on our board and such for a number of years. And one of the things that really characterized him in meetings was his patience. He was amazingly patient. I came into this situation considering myself a fairly patient person. He was patient at a whole nother level. And I learned I learned he would sit in meetings for hours and not say a word. He was waiting to be asked. If he wasn't asked, he didn't speak. I was just knocked out. Not my style. <laughs> but I learned to alter my style. And I learned that there was an internal growth that occurred from choosing patience. Very interesting to start to look at the subtle aspect of these things. Patience accepts what is and responds appropriately. Say that again. When we've cultivated this character of patience with our mindfulness, with our intention, I put that in earlier, Patience allows us to accept what is and therefore through the mindfulness, through the intention, to respond with appropriateness, to respond with the tenderness. We are able to tolerate all of the, the feelings and emotions of being thwarted, of having to live with something that we feel unjust. To live with, not to just endure, but to actually live with. So that there's a quality of life difference that this kind of patience that the Buddha was teaching is pointing to. It's a different quality of life. It's not just this kind of, uh, you know, uh, putting up with feeling. Persistence allows us to return to the goal, to start over to hold steady to our intention, to engage with the difficult. So empowering, both of these taken together. So in living out our values and living out intention, patience allows us to make mistakes, to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, to be at ease in the moment, to overcome this reactive mind. So much of the suffering, as the Buddha points out in the second noble truth of, of the four noble truths, is not the dukkha, not the unsatisfactoriness of life, not the pain and the physical or emotional, not the frustrations of life, but our, our reactive mind to it, our clinging, grasping, attached mind. 
this, this cultivation of patience and persistence allows us to escape this reactive mind. It's very easy to see our reactive mind if we look at it. Easy to see the second noble truth manifesting in any day of our lives. In traffic, on the telephone, uh, 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 something at the grocery store, in our work, with uh, the, the, our interactions with others. This reactive mind, because it's not the way we want it to be. Patience goes, oh, it's not the way I want it to be. Our mindfulness sees, oh, this is just conditions. It's just conditions. I don't get to control conditions. So therefore, I can be patient with conditions. The, the determination allows us to try again, to try to move conditions to more the way we think they should be. Persistence, this determination, this resolve, allows us to meet resistance head on and to, to, to uh, meet it with a moment of power. It, in fact, overcomes our own mind's resistance to things. You know, I don't want to do this. I know I need to do this. I've got to get this, I've got to get this project done. But I'm resistant because I don't like it. I'm afraid I'm not going to do it well. I'm going to be blamed. All these stories that we tell ourselves. That this quality of persistence just goes ahead and does it without any of those conditions changing. We are not defined by conditions. We're still characterized, but we're not defined by. One way to understand freedom moment to moment in our lives is that we are not taking birth in, to use the Buddhist language, uh, in the conditions. We're still characterized, but we have choice. We can persist. We move ahead. We're not caught. We don't go in this reactive mind state over and over again. There is a contentment to the mind, even though we're persisting through difficult times, difficult circumstances. The handout that, uh, that you're given will help with that. I like to say that fierce determination wins battles. So, you know, if you're fiercely determined and you're in a battle, you may win. It's certainly true in sports. But patient persistence wins wars, championships, and hearts. So in a one-off, that fierce determination may win the day. But it's not sustainable in my experience in the world, in domestic life, inside yourself. And I say this on the basis of lots of experience with now thousands of people. In martial arts, if two people are equally uh, matched in a particular battle, the one with fierce determination will win. The drive to win will overwhelm. But if fierce determination meets an, 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 an unceasing patient persistence, over time, the patient persistence will win. Because fierce determination, by its very nature, burns itself out. It can't sustain itself. Lots of examples in the world that I could give you of that. But it's just the way it is. At least that's what I have found. You can see for yourself. Fierce determination lacks a rhythm. It doesn't know the push and release. It just goes and goes and goes. It's that bunny rabbit thing that pounds the energizer or whatever it's called. It is too rigid. Fierce determination by itself is too rigid. It's easy to break it. It, it's, it, can't, it can't bend and, and, and move into different circumstances. So with uh, someone that's fierce determination, you change the circumstance and then they act inappropriate in that circumstance and they shoot themselves in the foot. You could apply this in a meeting with someone. It's, it's not, it's not, it, it's, it's very easy to see it happen. So this combination of patience and persistence uh, yields in a given moment, but it never loses its intention. It's always coming back. You have known people who have both of these together, and you have been swayed by them, as have I. It's the sila that determines whether or not that's being used in a way that's wholesome. It's the wisdom along with the sila that 
it determines if this patience and persistence is, is used in a way that's wholesome. All of the paramis together, all the paramis together uh, create a wholesomeness. We can take these characters, we can develop patience and use patience for unskillful, uh, for unwholesome ends. We can use persistence. I cannot imagine that everyone in here, that anyone in here has not been the, uh, the subjected to someone who had great determination but had an unwholesome end. It would be hard to imagine. I don't see any uh, two-year-olds in here. <laughs> and that, so the, the, this combination of who we, our values, our intention, our, uh, this cultivation of, of wise intention becomes so important from our tradition because we are offering teachings in freedom. Uh, freeing the heart, freeing the mind from unwholesome mind states. So we're not, we're not teaching uh, secular mindfulness that is just how to be mindful to be the most productive you can be. That's not, that's not what we're teaching. We're, t we're teaching a mindfulness uh, uh, that is imbued with metta, that's imbued with compassion, that's imbued with sympathetic joy that's imbued with an equanimity that doesn't get caught up in the winning. And in that context, we, when we cultivate patience and determination, it, we are cultivating them towards the continuation of that. When we when we look at ourselves in this way, we, we start to see some things that are interesting. This is a poem by Mark Nepo. It's called, Look Around. If you try to comprehend air before breathing it, you will surely die. If you try to understand love before being held, you will never feel compassion. If you insist on bringing God to others before opening your very small window of life, you will never have honest friends. If you try to teach before you learn or leave before you stay, you will lose your ability to try. If you try to teach before you learn, or leave before you stay, you will lose your ability to try. No matter what anyone promises, to never feel compassion, to never have honest friends, to lose your ability to try, these are desperate ways to die. A dog loves the world through its nose, a fish through its gills, a bat through its deep sense of blindness, an eagle through its glide, and a human life through its spirit. So what would it mean to leave before you stay? What would that mean to you? What would that mean to leave before you stay? Not experiencing life. To not experience life. What else? Emptiness? Uh, say more about that. Not really having the, the experience of it, missing the experience. One foot on the platform, one on foot on the, uh, the, 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 the platform, one foot on the train, one foot in the door and one foot out the door, like in relationship, right? I'm in and out. I'm sure neither of you, none of you have ever done that or been subject to a person like that. Being all good Buddhist. Yes. Running at the first sign of trouble. These are all good, good uh, uh, reflections in this, wise reflections. So for me, this, to, to stay before I leave is uh, so mirroring both the patience and the persistence 
and the mindfulness. To stay before I leave means to arrive, to really be here and feel this moment, not to get out of the moment, but first arrive at the moment. So my back is hurting. Back hurting feels like this. Also, I've got my feelings hurt. Having the feelings hurt feels like this. Oh, I'm desperately wanting to be uh, heard in this meeting and I'm not being called on. That feels like this. So that we actually know the lived experience so that we can, from the lived experience, see that we are not dependent on conditions to see that we can, that we can be patient with an experience, that we do not have to go into this reactive mind, that we can show up for another person and we will stay. We may not have a first impression of that person that's very desirable, but we will stay before we leave. We will, give, we will be generous in giving that moment. Maybe it's all us. Maybe we've just, we've just uh, made a projection. So through our lives that we're willing to show up, that we're, the mindfulness is our commitment. I want to show up. I want to be here. I want to have the felt sense of this moment. And then to respond wisely, but not be caught in reactivity. Reactivity is like the puppet on the string of pleasant or unpleasant. Oh, if it's unpleasant, I don't want that. If it's pleasant, oh, I want more of that. That's reactivity. That's the Vedna in the Buddha's teaching, this, this, this uh, flavoring of pleasant and unpleasant and how it creates this whole feeling of this whole cycle that leads to suffering if it's, not, if it's not met with mindfulness. That same feeling of pleasant and unpleasantness, if it's met with mindfulness and clear intention, leads to transcendent dependeration. It leads to a transcendence away from suffering to a sense of well-being. So to stay before we leave. It's certainly, uh, in, in offering all of this, I don't mean to be Pollyanna in any way. You know, it's, uh, it's not like uh, only good things happen, everything happens for the best and all of that. The patience isn't coming from that kind of sentimental attitude, but from saying that the, the way to most fully realize life, both external and internal, is through this patience, is through this cultivation of a wise determination that's imbued with all of those characteristics I met. Here's a cartoon. Uh, um, the, the two tourists have arrived somewhere like Hawaii or somewhere, and they say, with our lives, it's all about the journey. With our luggage, it's definitely about the destination. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. We all have our baggage. We have our preferences. We have our wounds. We have the injustices that we have experienced. We have our shortcomings. This is our baggage. We, those baggage, that baggage we will carry until we learn to put it down. Patience allows us to carry it. Persistence gradually allows us to put it down over time. This is from Ajahn Sumedho. Uh, Ajahn Sumedho is uh, uh, my teacher and uh, is now retired from active teaching and I was just with him for a period of time in Thailand. He's a wonderful teacher and you can go to uh, Dharma Seed and listen to his talks. He's taught here many times in the past. The practice of letting go is very effective for minds obsessed by compulsive thinking. You simplify your meditation practice down to, two, to just two words, let go. Rather than try to develop this practice and then develop that practice and achieve this and go into that and understand this and read the suttas and study the Abhidhamma and then learn Pali and Sanskrit and then the Madhyamakaya and then the Prajnaparamita and then get ordination, the Hinayana, Mahayana and Vajrayana and then write books and become a world-renowned authority on Buddhism. Instead of becoming the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international Buddhist conferences, just let go. Let go. Let go. 
This is such a part of patience and persistence, this ability to just let go. I did nothing but this for about two years. And when he says that, he means it. His practice is magnificent in that way. Such integrity of practice. I did nothing but this for about two years. Every time I tried to understand or figure things out, I'd say, let go, let go, let go, until the desire would fade out. So I'm making it very simple for you to save you from getting caught in incredible amounts of suffering. There's nothing more sorrowful than having to attend international Buddhist conferences. <laughs> Patience allows us to let go. Persistence is how we learn to let go. We practice letting go over and over again. As we let go, it empowers our patience and it empowers our persistence. This, is, this feels terrible right now, but I let go of it feeling terrible right now and I just continue. I just let go. Try it. Try it tomorrow in some aspect of your life. Or tonight when you're arguing about who was supposed to do the dishes or who was supposed to put out the recycling or whatever it is, or you said, she said, he said. Just let go. Be interested in what conditions you could create that would cause within you, would result within you a feeling of more patience, a feeling of more patient persistence rather than fierce determination, a patient determination, a soft determination that embraces the other rather than has to overrun the other, a kind of patient persistence that does not have to make enemies does not have to make enemy, even though there is difference, even though sometimes that difference is irreconcilable under current circumstances. Still there can be patient persistence. That's that heart quality of the metta, of the compassion. Even though these differences are irreconcilable at this time, if, if, you, if you'd like a practice in this working with uh, irreconcilable difference, uh, you, there's, if you will go to dharmawisdom.org, my website, there's a whole practice on reconciliation. It's called reconciliation. Just type it in in the search engine and get that as a practice. A number of organizations utilize that and at the beginning or end of their meetings. So that there's this capacity in us to let go, let go of our views, let go of our opinions, let go of our endless self-referencing in a way that we just naturally develop this patience and persistence. As these two come together in our lives, uh, new possibilities open up. And you go, yeah, maybe I'm interested in this and maybe not. And then my answer to that is, oh, so you have something better to do with your time? What is that? More wanting, more complaining, more irritability, more frustration? That is what you're choosing over the cultivation of these paramis. If that's your choice, that's fine with me. <laughs> so any questions or comments here before we... Yes, please. In uh, interpersonal relationships, specifically this practice of letting go, mm -hmm. um, how do we... How do we also care for ourselves and maintain boundaries? Well, first of all, he asked this question of, in interpersonal relationships, how do we let go and still maintain boundaries and take care of ourselves? And we do that by, first of all, consciously developing boundaries. And we develop boundaries not out of fear, but out of compassion. If we don't have boundaries, then we allow others to hurt us, which is not even in their interest. And we allow ourselves to get hurt. And so out of compassion, we would develop boundaries so that we don't get hurt. Out of metta, we would develop boundaries. Metta for the others and for ourselves. So the letting go doesn't mean that you, get, that you become a doormat. That's, that's not letting go. That's, that's giving up. That's collapsing. That's the opposite. The patience and the persistence are together. So you let go of your demand that she, he, be other, 
in this moment. But you don't let loose of your own perspective, your own value. But you don't have to pound, you don't have to fight in this moment, but you hold, you hold. In the wisest way you see how in this moment, you persist but with patience, without condemning, without making the other the enemy. can be hard to do, but well worthwhile. So that's the pointing. The finding it out, you have to experiment for yourself. Come back and tell me what happened, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to the advice. But first, you have to report from the front line. Someone else, time for one more, if there's any comment to be made. Yes. In the past, you've given a definition of skillful means with regard to tonight, patience, yes. Could you just give a very brief uh, definition on skillful means? Yes, skillful means. So there are wholesome goals and unwholesome goals. We all know how unwholesome goals turn out because we've all been caught in unwholesome goals before. Again, maybe there's someone here who's an exception that will come up and introduce yourself. <laughs> For the rest of us, but even with a wholesome goal, we can employ skillful or unskillful means towards that goal. If we employ skillful means, then there, that we don't create suffering, or, or in a more practical way, we minimize the suffering along the way towards our goal for ourselves and others. With unskillful means, we actually create huge amounts of suffering, even if it was a wholesome goal. Uh, I use these very raw examples of, of this uh, father who was so uh, involved in his sons and their tennis games that he started doctoring the water of their opponents to make them a little woozy so that they would lose the match. And you go, well, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous compared to the woman in Texas who hired the hit man to uh, kill her daughter's uh, rivalry in, in cheerleader tryouts or the woman in St. Louis who uh, went on the web and pretended to be a little girl and uh, just completely abused this little girl that her friend had gotten mad at. So the, all of those would be just stupid examples of, of un, un, unwholesome, uh, unskillful means. But for ourselves, we, could, we, can, um, we can get our way as to who's going to put out the, 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 the garbage tonight in a way that it was very unskillful so that we treated someone we loved in a way that was disrespectful over something we didn't really care about that much. Why? Just because we thought, it's, I'm not being listened to here. I know I'm right about this. Is it really that important in this moment? Is that really the skillful way to handle this? To bruise someone? To lose a whole evening with someone you love over a, tr a trivial thing? Maybe, but you'd have to really reflect before you chose that as an uh, as, as, as truly a skillful means. If you become, in your mindfulness, you, you, you start to be able to discern what's skillful and unskillful, and you have a clear intention of doing skillful, then these things develop naturally over time. It's not that we have to understand it all in the front end. It's that we, that we have to be clear on what matters to us and what, how we go about it in such a way that we have a, a means of going about this. And then we discover life itself becomes our teacher. Our, uh, if we bring our practice into our life, our, our life then teaches us and we develop. And this does not take that long to start to bear fruit. To bring great fruit takes a, a long period of time, but this, the immediacy of benefit is pretty clear right away in my own experience. We have to stop now, so. <laughs> so let's close our eyes for a moment. I want to dedicate the merit. As we develop these capacities of patience and determination or persistence, as they start to manifest in us, may their manifestation be imbued with wisdom and with loving kindness in such a way that this patience and this persistence is a benefit to our loved ones and a benefit to everyone with whom we come in contact. Any merit that has arisen from our practice this evening, jointly and individually, we offer this merit to all beings, 
those we approve of, those we disapprove of, those with whom we are patient, those with whom we are impatient, those who cause harm, and those who do not cause harm, those who are harmed, those who neither cause harm nor are in any way right now being harmed. All beings in all conditions, in all circumstances, may they all benefit from the merit of our practice in such a way that there is less suffering in their lives. Thank you for your kind attention. Drive carefully, please. Turn right at the end of the driveway. <laughs> Skillful means. <laughs>